Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the Riptide. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Ho, 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 my Bruin brothers and sisters. Seasons, greetings, cretins. <laughs> you see how we both, we both changed it up there? That's yeah, because yeah. it's uh, the holidays are upon us. And we're, we're here having a great time uh, with uh, our good friend, Fal Allen, who's uh, joined us from uh, Anderson Valley Brewing Company. We're going to talk about uh, brewing uh, winter beers. Yeah. And, uh, you know what's different about winter beers some good winter beers we're going to try some some great winter beers from uh anderson valley and uh have a little fun just like uh our fine sponsor john blickman john blickman blickman engineering yes they mm-hmm. uh, they've been sponsoring this show for 15 years or something yeah, yeah. it's got to be a new record for people <laughs> pissing their money away on, on something very foolish uh but yeah. you know hey that's all right our good friend uh, John Blickman's been paying for this show, so you don't have to. Uh, check him out, BlickmanEngineering.com, or go to your favorite uh, homebrew shop and ask them you know, to see their Blickman gear. Most homebrew shops carry it because it is some of the best uh, in the world that you're going to get. So check check them out. Great, great folks there, and uh, really innovative, uh, creative, and, and well-built uh, brewing equipment for any budget. All right. As I mentioned, uh, we've got our good friend, Fal Allen here. Not only is he a great brewer, but he's a a great author too. You've written some books. It's pretty much, uh, you know, winter beer. You did the uh, barley wine one, right? The barley wine one with Dick Cantwell. And those are definitely winter beers. Absolutely. If you were to define what a winter beer is, what is a winter beer? They're not all high alcohol. They're different, right? Yeah, you know, I, I think in the winter, you want something that's a little heavier, a little more ponderous, uh, a little more flavorful than you might want on a hot summer day. Um, also, as you mentioned, you know, alcohol is a, has a warming effect. So having some alcohol in that beer is a, a good winter thing. So more flavor, more alcohol. And, you know, mm-hmm. oftentimes people will put some spices in there because spice things up for the winter season yeah I often think of winter beers being a little maltier versions yeah. than your average style and as you mentioned the spices the little more malt helps support those spices as well so they're not not sharp but kind of mellow and work with the beer right i always think you know uh winter spiced beers christmas beers holiday beers are always um you know, in my mind, you know, spices, some stronger alcohol, some some residual sugar, uh, mm-hmm. some extra body. Um, you know, and then there's also you know winter warmers. 
you know, uh, similar thing and, you know, high alcohol. But when we're talking uh, uh, winter beers, we got this uh, really nice uh, black rice uh, from uh, Anderson Valley as well, which is, it's an ale. Mm -hmm. That's a lower alcohol beer, but it's got a lot of flavor. So this is kind of your nice and clean. Yeah, big flavor for your session beer drinking folks. Yeah. Right. This is a uh, 3.8%. Right. Mm-hmm. It just packs a ton of flavor and, yeah. uh, you know, malt background nice and, and, and some, you know, with some body as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, have, having drank, drank a lot of sessionable beers in England, it mm-hmm. very much mm-hmm. reminds me of, uh, of a good, uh, good British uh, ale. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what we were shooting for, and one of the reasons we made this beer three point eight percent is because uh, sometimes you walk into a pub, which we all love to do, and you look up on the board, and everything's eight and a half percent or more. A lot of mm-hmm. IPAs, double IPAs, big strong beers, and those are fine beers. But some days you got things to do. You can't have an eight and a half percent beer with your lunch. And get back to doing stuff. So three point eight percent. I can't. A lot of flavor. <laughs> I can't. I, I know. Um, how how do you how do you get so much flavor and uh, malt character in this? Well, one of the things we did was we used black rice, and that has a really kind of interesting nutty flavor. Has real kind of umami quality to it. Mm-hmm. So that certainly uh, gives that beer more flavor and uh, body than it would normally have at 3.8%. And then we use some, we use some darker malts to kind of help boil that up, give it a little more color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like the, the flavor of the beer a lot. And it, it, as you say, it has a little nuttiness. It's got, uh, it's not just a Pilsner malt flavor. Um, and uh, but it, yet it's still very crisp and clean, like a pilsner. Yeah. Well, and really, uh, you know, every everyone uh, always assumes that rice is gonna, you know, thin out a beer, take away flavor. Mm-hmm. But, but not uh, the black rice. The uh, black rice is, I mean, it's literally black if you've ever cooked with it, and it's it's not like uh, it's not even very much like wild rice, which is a different kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of this dark, glutinous, you know, rice, and it, it really has some interesting flavors. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I've I've done uh, beers, a lot of beers with wild rice, but never black rice. Okay. Um, do you have to do you do a cereal mash to use it? You, you know, you could, no doubt, and you would get probably a little more flavor, and then you'd get more uh, sugars from that. But we weren't looking for fermentables what we were looking for was kind of that flavor and a little bit of that color Mm -hmm. so we just we just put it in with the regular mash and let it sit a little bit longer okay it is delicious well thank you easy easy drinking gotta go out and find me a Mm -hmm. a couple of six packs of that yeah it even pours with a bit of viscosity yeah sorry you uh, you didn't base it off any particular style did you pal it just kind of a spun off on its own as Jamil, you know, brought up earlier, if you've been to England, you and their pubs, you've had a, a British mild before, and right. that's one of my favorite kind of styles. They're just you know basic session beers with a lot of flavor to them, 
And sometimes they're light brown, sometimes they're, you know, golden color. They kind of run the gamut. So we kind of started off with that kind of beer in mind, that, okay. you know, British mild. But it's, you know, I wouldn't categorize it that way. So we don't want to call it that. But that was kind right. of our, our basis, our, our starting point for it. Okay. makes That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Very definitely very sessionable. Yeah. And I, I don't think I'd categorize it as a winter beer, but I think, you know, if you're looking for something in the winter, that's a little, got some flavor, got a little bit of color and isn't too alcoholic. Yeah. Because after this, everything just, you know, goes uphill in alcohol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think it's kind of interesting, kind of challenged my, uh, well, you know, um, your, your, uh, person at, uh, Anderson Valley was saying, you know, winter beers and got this. I'm like, kind of challenged my my thinking on winter beer i was thinking oh foul must be behind this there could be you know uh lower abv winter beers you know a 3.8 percent like this and then let's say well you 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 spice it with uh you know uh some pumpkin spices or something well it's you know kind of like it's winter it's sessionable i I think that's a great idea um yeah I don't think, you know, you should, a brewer or even a consumer should be limited to think that winter beers have to be high in alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're right. You can, you can run the whole gamut and you can spice lighter ales, uh, just remain even handed about it. And I think you make some really interesting, good beers. Right. Yeah. Y'all getting a lot of rain up there at the moment. I noticed there's a storm moving down from Seattle. Yep. Yeah. We're finally getting some rain. Uh, we brewed a, a Stein beer, a stone beer. Uh, oh, nice. yesterday and it was supposed to be pouring the whole day but uh the solstice gods took mercy on us and pushed the rain off another day so now it's pouring outside now oh, okay i yeah. was figuring it was probably you know tail high on tall bear up there at the moment mm-hmm. water now how did how did you heat your rocks for your stein beer uh we took a 55 gallon drum and you know cut a hole in it so we could get wood in the bottom and then put a plate about halfway down and shoved a lot of oak underneath the, into the fire part and had the rocks just piled up in the top. Oh, nice. And then you just use tongs to, to carry them over and drop them in. Yeah. Yeah. I think if we do it again, which I hope we will, we will probably insulate that top part a little bit to kind of hold a little more heat in mm. and maybe close up the top. So we have a chimney like kind of structure to mm. help kind of contain some of the heat in there. All right. Cause the top rocks were clearly not as hot as the bottom ones. Uh, yeah, I did one, um, at Libertine with, uh, I don't know if you Tyler down there. Um, but we, uh, heated them up on just a gas grate. And, uh, even that worked out pretty pretty well because they really get smoking in a sizzling when you drop oh, yeah. it in the hole in the work hmm. so what part of the boil did you use them in like the beginning or the end or in the beginning of the boil you know we we were going for flavor uh more than for you know heating up mm-hmm. the, the word or the mash like traditionally they would take the rocks and put them in the mash or maybe sometimes oh. the boil to heat them up uh, and that's how they would heat the mash up or, you know, get, get the, the liquid to its final part of boiling. But we were really going for the flavor component of it. 
So we didn't put it in the mash. We did it in the boil right at the very beginning. And we didn't put them in the kettle. We kind of recirculated through a second vessel and put them into that second vessel mm. because we didn't want to have a lot of exploded rocks inside of our kettle later on. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> did you get any <laughs> popping of your rocks? Oh, yeah. We got some popping rocks. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you got to be careful of that. Yeah, some of them, uh, you know, once you put them in the liquid, they just, they exploded. Huh. Wow. We, most of them stuck together pretty good. We had, you know, I picked out some good rocks from, from our property. Mm-hmm. There you go. We kind of got uh, sidetracked on Stein beer. We'll have to do a Stein beer show with you once that thing's out. Yeah, we're, we're going to try and do another one in March. We're going to do a sati where we put it into the mash and not oh. boil at all. So that should be a fun one. Mm. I haven't brewed one of those before. Let's yeah, do this. Either. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll move on to uh, another another fine beer and uh, more talk about brewing uh, winter beers right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all green brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're uh, talking with uh, the good friend Fal Allen from Anderson Valley Brewing Company and drinking some of their beers that they uh, kindly sent to us. Yeah. Next one up is uh, the winter solstice. Yeah. Now this one you you guys have had around for a long time, right? Yeah, we have. This beer has been around, gosh, probably twenty five years, wow. and uh, maybe a little longer. And it really is our our winter warmer, and it's based off of uh, winter warmers you might find in England. Uh, I think the first one that I ever had was the Sam Smith uh, mm-hmm. winter warmer. Right. And so it's a little bit bigger, um, a little rounder, and it's lightly spiced. Oh, yeah. Lovely caramel in that. A little yeah. toffee. Oh, yeah. That's lovely. Toffee, vanilla. Yeah. Cinnamon. Yeah. Frankly, this is one of the, the best spice compliments I've had in a beer. I mean, in terms of the way it really melds into the malt character and stuff, it's really well balanced. Yeah, it's relatively... Subtle compared to a lot of other beers. Yeah. It's, it's very yeah. present, but yeah, not overwhelming. So often cinnamon especially turns out very woody in a beer. You get this hard tannic edge to spice beers, and this is just smooth as can be. Very what nice. Is, what is the, the best way to 
layer in spices to a beer and not have it be overwhelming? I think it depends on the spice. You know, mm-hmm. some are better on the cold side. Some are better on the hot side. You know, um, I think, as John was saying, cinnamon can be really woody, particularly if you put it in hot. Mm-hmm. So I think you just an even hand is really the biggest challenge for a lot of brewers. Right. Oh, yeah. I want to throw spice in everything all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, finding that balance can be difficult. Um you know, people always ask, it's like, well, what should I start with? It's like, well, you know, you know, do I throw an ounce in or, you know, a half a pound in of cinnamon to my, you know, winter warmer? And I always tell them, it's like, well, first start with a smaller, smaller batch, you know, take a pint and, you know, try that. Or, you know, uh, if you want to uh, age it on spice or something like that, take Take something off in a in a growler, add add your spices to that. See how that works out. You know, do smaller tests first. That's, that's what we always did at Heretic was um, we would you know just take take some aside, take our time, taste trial. Um, you know, start with you know whatever average number you want to use or whatever you think is right. And uh, kind of go from there, but lots of tasting, lots of adjusting. One of the nice things, you know, commercially is we'll brew and then we'll, we'll hold back. We'll put some into kegs. Then we'll, we'll spice what we, you know, what we've planned for. And if it goes a little too far, which happens sometimes, (laughs) then we can just add back some some you know unspiced beer and usually that's what we'll do we'll go a little bit far and then add back and that way you know we get the the best of both worlds where you know you can kind of push your your amount but uh also dial it back and some beers you want a spiced version and unspiced version anyways especially home brewing you're gonna you're gonna you know you want to put a few more taps on for for a christmas party you can uh, you can do that. And what what spices go best with you know wintry beers? You know, is it based off of the base beer? You know, like is a uh, American light lager gonna take different spices, different types of spices? I know different amounts, but you know different types of spices than a you know American barley wine or uh, what what ex- you know what. Spice flavors, I guess I'm asking, go best with what styles of beer? So cinnamon goes best with, uh, clove goes best with, fill in the blanks here, guys. Come on. I don't know. Uh, it's like I, bad I think, lips. Just any, I, any noun here. Just throw something out there. Uh, <laughs> we, I, I always think about, you know, your, your winter beers, your holiday beers. You're going to probably be having them with food. And so I like to kind of, find compliments in the food that can go into the beer. So, you know, I think a lot of us think, at least in North America, uh, about the traditional things you're going to have for Thanksgiving or Christmas or one of the holiday meals. And, you know, nutmeg, cinnamon seem to pop up. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think ginger works well in a lot of different things. So I think it kind of depends on, you know, are you making it to go with some food? And is it going to be a bigger, more ponderous beer that can take some spice? Or is it going to be a light beer that you kind of want to stand on its own? Yeah. Uh, 
I think I think the warmer tasting spices like nutmeg, allspice, cinnamon work well with your caramel malts with um, some residual sugar. Um, and I think one important thing when using spices in a beer is, you know, never boil them. Uh, put them in, uh, you know, after heat off, like Whirlpool, for example, or, you know, at the end of the boil. Um, you can do hot steeping, and I think hot mm-hmm. steeping and wort works really well. The the pH and so on keeps the uh, spice essence from um, becoming too tannic. Um, I remember one of my first uh, mm. one of my first home brews was a spiced Christmas beer where I boiled cinnamon in, in water and then added that to the uh, to the beer and of course it came out extremely woody um, and bitter. Uh, so. Yes, I think hot steeping and work is is a good way to do use a lot of different spices. It's an interesting uh, thought on the pH, kind of helping with the you know tannins. Yeah, um, hmm. interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I, I I find you know it just depends on the on the spice, you know whether or not I want to go hot or cold. Um, the uh, some spices, you know, you toast them and it Mm -hmm. kind of develops a completely different flavor as well. One thing I'm concerned about generally with, um, spices, I'm not too concerned about bacteria. I'm sure, I'm sure there is some on it, but you know, if I'm home brewing, I wouldn't worry about it. Commercial brewing and I'm putting in a package then I'm, I'm concerned about, you know, some sort of, uh, uh, pasteurization or some sort of way of, you know, avoiding any, anything there, you know, a lot of powdered stuff, um, contains bacteria in that, especially when it's spray dried. So mm-hmm. when you're getting like, um, you know, malt extract or, uh, uh, you know, lactose or something like that, and it's spray dried, has a lot of air that gets in it. And because they're using a lot of air, we'll have, can have a lot of bacteria or some bacteria. So those we always want to use hot, but yeah, I'm not sure. Um, you know, when, when it's a, a thing like uh, cinnamon, cinnamon, they actually grind it to a powder. Uh, they don't, they don't blow it uh, dry. So that may not have the, the same issues. And some of these, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these spices, they have an antibiotic property in and of themselves because of the, uh, you know, the oils, the acids, uh, you know, mm-hmm. other compounds. So maybe they're just fine. Some, some of the spices are different added cold versus warm. I think coffee is kind of a good example of that where, exactly. you know, cold brew coffee and hot brewed coffee can be very different. And, you know, it depends on what you want out of each of those. Sometimes you want some bitterness that might come from a hot side use. And sometimes you don't. So, you know, you might yeah. be willing to take a little bit more of a biological risk uh, than, than, you know, other things. But I think you make a good point. Stuff that's spray dry is probably going to have yeast and other bacteria and stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And probably don't want that in the long run yeah 
Yeah, it's it, the coffee's an example of hot steeping versus cold steeping. I think in cold steeping, you get more of the aromatics surviving, you know, from the spice, whereas hot steeping, you get more of the flavor. You know, and it, it's very much like hops, very much like coffee and, and so on. Um, yeah, that that's you're right. That's a good way to get two different aspects of a spice in a beer uh, by using the two different methods. Yeah. Well, with coffee, I always notice, um, I think when you go hot, you, I, I think you get more of the oils out and maybe mm-hmm. also a little bit more of the acids. Um. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword because th- I'm sure there's a lot of flavor in those oils, but then there's kind of also a little harshness to getting getting that acid out of there as well. I'm not that much of a coffee guy, but I, I do notice, like John's saying, the big difference between cold steeping and, and hot steeping coffee. Oh, yeah. I, especially in beer, I think you can find big differences. Well, you put it in one, the word versus putting it in the finished beer. Yeah, one of the problems I have with, um, well, with some coffees and and some dark roasted grains, is that you get this kind of green, you know, vegetal bell peppery kind mm. of note coming from it. I cannot stand that. <laughs> Yet it just shows up, you know, in various places over the years. We had, you know, malt supply issues where all of a sudden everything tastes like green bell pepper and it's, you know, it had to be the, the malt. And so we ended up switching maltsters and, you know, that fixed it. But, you know, sometimes you can get a sense of a little bit of that kind of green malt and, you know, in the background, that green bell pepper. And I get a lot from coffees. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's some, it, you know, it has to do with the, um, you know, the temperatures and times or, you know, however they are processing those to roast them, uh, to get those, those characters or not. That's, that's one of my pet peeves on something with coffee or even roasted, any roasted grains. Yeah. Do you all make coffee beers at all, Phil? We've made a couple here and there in the past. Um, I've, I've tried both hot and cold. I think I prefer the, the cold steeping or even sometimes there'll be where you, you make a separate side brew uh, in cold water and then add that to the, the beer post-fermentation. And that seems to kind of be a, one of my favorite ways to do it. But then you got to plan that that beer is going to be watered down a little bit. So you'd be at a little God, higher yeah. gravity uh, than you normally would. So you have to make adjustments for that because... It takes a fair amount of, of water, you know, to cold steep coffee to get enough flavor. So it's going to be adding some, you're going to be adding some water back in there. Interesting. I've got a question in the chat, Jamil. Um, They're wondering if Baker's chocolate is one of those bacteria prone powders and whether uh, Baker's chocolate powder should be used hot or cold. Cocoa powder? Yeah. Um, ooh, that's a good question. Uh, when I first started using cocoa powder, I, I used it in the boil at the end of the boil. And, um, I, you know, that's certainly the safest way, uh, for a while at, uh, Heretic, we used, um, uh, cocoa powder in the fermenter post firm, post ferment. 
Hmm. Um, and we didn't have any problems for the majority of batches. But, you know, if you have one in a hundred batches that ends up with a problem, it's, it's too expensive. That's yeah. the problem. The flavor was great, but it's just that the price was was really high. If, if you're going to toss, you know, even 1% of your beer, you know. And then you yeah, got to be lab testing and everything. Uh, but at home, I, I think you're okay. You know, just store your beers cold, you know, after the fact and, uh, you know, drink them and they'll be fine. I think, you know, the alcohol percentage of the beer and the acidity of the beer, those both protect it. So they tend to you help. Know, yeah. You wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to take a chance with something that might have bacteria in it on a, you know, three and a half or 4% beer. You might be willing to take more chance on an eight and a half percent beer, you know, because yeah. that, that's a considerable difference. And that alcohol probably keep most bi- micro things from growing. Definitely suppresses them. Yeah. Um, you get up, you get up to about 20%, then, then you're good. <laughs> Even yeah. then they can still, they can still advance, but um, it'll, it'll, it really keeps them down. Let's yeah. I had diastaticus in one of my Christmas beers. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, some, some wild yeast that was probably on one of the spices or something. Uh, but yeah. that beer ended up fermenting way down and lost all the flavor. Diastaticus is very common. It's everywhere. Yeah. And since it's so flavorless, people don't, you know, that, that'd be interesting. We should brew something with diastaticus. We should culture up some diastaticus and then brew something that is quite flavorless, yet very high alcohol. It'd be the new seltzer. I'm just saying we can make like a, <laughs> like a 20% seltzer. Diastaticus. I don't know if you really want to be the father of uh, the new seltzer, do you? <laughs> I'll do anything. Hey, is there a buck in it? Yeah, all right. I'm on. Yeah, yeah. The spices, um, but in general, I'm fine with cocoa powder. I think if I was doing it today with cocoa powder, what I would do is very similar to what people are doing with um, a lot of the, the hops now. I would... Uh, you know, do my boil, I'd whirlpool and bring the temperature down to, you know, maybe 170, 175 Fahrenheit, add my cocoa powder, then, you know, let it, let it mix in and and do it that way. And that way, I think your chances of anything really living and causing a problem are pretty low, at least boilage wise. Pasteurization is pretty thorough at, you know, after like 10 minutes at those temperatures. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're getting a lot of kills there. Yeah. I, I think that's a pasteurization number of like 500. Yeah. So I, I, I would, I would do it that way. Long roundabout way of answering the guy's question. Yeah. Good question, by the way. Let's see here. Short break. We'll do another short break. And when we come back, uh, maybe I'm ready to move on to the next beer. We'll be back right after this. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. 
All right, we're back. Uh, we're enjoying some great uh, beers from uh, Anderson Valley. If you get the chance, check them out. Uh, we already did the the black rice, which I could drink a case of. Uh, yeah, no problem. Here you go. It's backwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we we moved on to the winter solstice, which I've had this before uh, a number of times, and uh, I prefer it over the the, the spring solstice because you have a or a summer solstice. Yeah, the summer. Yeah, the summer solstice. Oh. I like that one too, but I I think I actually prefer this one and. and Maybe I think this is like the best batch of this I've ever had. I would drink a case of this easily. It's really good. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. I'm glad I have another can. (laughs) I do enjoy the balance. Yes. They sent us two cans of each. Um, I'm not sure what the marketing person's name is. Having an email. Uh, Jessica. Um, I don't know. Lauren. I think it was Lauren. Lauren. Tim. Keely. Could be Keely. Yeah, Keely. Keely, yeah. Keely. Was, it was... Keely. There you go. And Jessica G. Keely. It's, it's, yeah, I was very close. <laughs> JK are very close in the album. That's right. Very close. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, very nice to send us uh, some beers. And you didn't ask us to do this. It's just, we know they're great beers and yeah. thank you. Chance to drag you in. So <laughs> always a pleasure to hang out with you guys. Even remotely. Yeah. Way more fun in person. It's a remotely a pleasure. Yeah, we, we actually uh, saw each other at uh, Drake's Barn. Yeah, in Sacramento. Um, yeah. Very cool, cool location. Yeah, if you've never been, Drake's Barn in West Sacramento, it's this kind of barn-like wing thing structure out there, right? Yeah. It, Is it a pub? A- Funky little, little, yeah, yeah, funky little. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's it's got like a pizza restaurant and then a big bar. It's outdoor space, outdoor yeah, space under outdoors. a cover. Um, yeah, it's just a really cool place. It's uh, Drake's, um, uh, Drake's Brewery, a uh, great brewery out in our area, and then uh, they also have uh, guest beers on as well. Um, yeah. Really cool place if you're ever if you're ever uh, heading up that way. Yeah, they make some tasty beers too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure they make a, a great winter beer. Uh, what did I drink at the at the uh, at the party? I drank what was the special one on that they uh, uh, had? It was uh, like a spruce beer. It was a spruce beer, I think. Oh, those are a good. lot of beers on, and right. I tried most of them. The spruce, beer, the spruce beer was great. Really great. Um, as as are you know, all of the Drake spears. Speaking of great beers, Val, which caramel malts did you use in this in the winter solstice? Um, C40 and C80. Okay. Yep. Um, it's not, you know, it's not super complicated uh, malt bill wise. Yeah. About 5% each. Oh, no. I think a little more than that. Oh, okay. I'd have to look. I can look if you want. It's all I mean, I mean, here. Six point nine percent. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just so enamored of the balance in this beer. Right. It's, it's very nice. Yeah, I think you're, you're, you're probably pretty close. I think combined, maybe fifteen percent to twenty. Yeah, since it's not, 
the when when a beer is like really high ABV, a small percentage of crystal will make will really be heavy, and when a beer is lighter in ABV, the, the you know a higher percentage of crystal doesn't show up as much because it's all relative to the ABV. You know, if you're putting in because it's relative to you know the amount of baseball you're throwing in, if you're throwing in two thousand pounds of baseball. And you want to put in five percent uh, crystal. That's different than if you're doing five hundred pounds of base malt and you put five percent of crystal. Yeah, it looks like there's uh, about eight percent of both the C40, C8, uh, and the C80, yeah, as right well around, as uh, Munich malt. Right around fifteen percent oh, okay. total. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. In that mid-range, if you're if you're going smaller beer, a lot more your your crystal percentage, your especially malt percentage goes up. Yeah. If you're making a really big beer, you know, something, you know, uh 12, 15%, your percentage of crystal and specialties has to go down. Um it's because you still have lots of residual sweetness from the barley malt from the base malt itself, you're saying that, and you're just increasing the the gross amount. Um, yeah. It doesn't, the addition of the Pilsner malt or whatever does not dilute the, the crystal malt. So when you make a really big beer and you stick to the same percentage, uh, you end up <clears throat> just overwhelming everything with the crystal malt, even in, in low percentages. So the percentage of the, when you're doing a recipe, the percentage of the, the crystal malts is or especially malts is relative to the overall gravity because that's what you're measuring it against, right? Mm -hmm. You're throwing in a ton of, you know, really clean base malt just to get, you know, some, some maltose for, for alcohol. The, the crystal malts go through the roof. So you have to adjust that way. All right. I didn't think I was going to finish all of this one before I went on to the, uh, to the next one, but I have to. It's yes. delicious. Me too. Cheers. I got my special really uh, Clark Griswold <laughs> uh, pint glass. It is the season. I have I a whole family of them. I got the Beverly D'Angelo <laughs> one. I got the, the kids. <laughs> Dog. The, the brother or cousin or whatever it was. Randy Quaid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do. Um, <clears throat> all right. Um, so we're talking spices, you know, one of the, the, the beers that I think really goes well with a lot of the, uh, the winter warmer spice thing is, uh, Belgian, uh, dark, strong beers. Mm. Um, you look at something like, uh, Huden, uh, uh, and their Christmas ale, you know, um, and some of the others, I think that style really is, it's kind of the Christmas beer for me. The, and that's, yes, uh, no. that's kind of a quad. Is it? I'm, yeah. I yeah. Forget. yeah. They tend to be 10, 11, 12%. Okay. So a lot and and I believe they get up to that alcohol by adding sugar uh, refined or sugars 
mm-hmm. rather than additional malt. So to keep the body a little lighter. Um, I know in the Scandinavian countries, such as Norway, they, they have a tradition of Christmas beers where they add um, sugar to their usual beer recipe. And then they sit around the table and, and uh, talk crap about everybody else's brew uh, as they drink them. <laughs> <laughs> Were they talking tradition. about your beers? Is that what you're saying? No, I, I, I had not uh, brought one of my beers to that event, but uh, we had a fine right. time. You don't want them talking other. crap about your beer. Yeah. yeah. I heard that they, they add, instead of hot rocks, they'll add small demons to the beer to get it to boil. <laughs> yeah. And they and they they shout at them to to piss them off too. <laughs> no, we're up to the next beer, are we? Yeah. This is fifteen and a half percent right there. Yep. Friends. Illegal in some states. <laughs> yeah. It. Uh, if your state starts- is sober, I think it's fine. <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of our ode to the uh, the. Russian Imperial Stout. So we brew a big Imperial Stout, and then we age it for a year in a wild turkey bourbon barrel. Wow. That's a, that's a beautiful-looking beer. Now, Fallon, when you, when you do this um, and you, you age it for a year, when it, so a, a handful of things here. Uh I may talk for the next half hour without uh, actually asking a question. Okay. Um, <laughs> one of Easy for things, John and I then. That's right. Yeah. One, one, of the, one of the things when we first started making, or when I first started making uh, uh, bourbon barrel aged beers, um, initially, and this is based off of who was the the guy? Uh, no, it's the guy. Uh, what's what's his name? Up. Uh, Jim? 50-50 way. Yeah, it was Jim. Um, <laughs> Todd? Uh, no, or who was it? Who was it in this area? Uh, there was a brewery in Lincoln, I think it was, where uh, they were like one of the very first people to, to barrel age a, a beer. Well, I mean, that would have been a long time ago, but yeah, like in modern times. And there was like, hey, you know, don't age it longer than like six weeks. Because you start extracting a lot of, you know, the, the, the wood and you're getting like a different character. And we really want kind of the sweeter, bourbon-y, caramel kind of thing. Mm. And so that's what I was going off of initially. And we, we ran that way for a long time and, um, you know, got good results. And then at one point, I was just like, I'm not getting enough, you know, character out of this. I want more. And so I left it longer and longer. And then I got to the point where I now will age a beer in, in bourbon barrels, whiskey barrels for a year, mm-hmm. like you've done with, with this beer. Yeah. Um, but what I notice is you will get, you know, some real, you know, tannic, oaky kind of, uh, you know, character there. And what I found best was, age it for a year, but then blend it back with a little bit of, you know, unbarreled beer, which has mm-hmm. kind of a rounder s- sweetness to it as well. 
and just kind of combine those two. And then you, you end up with something, you know, really dreamy like this. Did you guys add back some unbarreled beer or did you get, you're all straight, straight to kimono or whatever the, what yeah. is the word here? <laughs> We're a hundred percent with the, the barrel age, but I think there's a, there's a bunch of things that go into that. You can certainly age a beer too long in a wooden barrel. Yeah. And then, you know, and you can break that down into a lot of different pieces. One is the barrel. Is it a fresh barrel? Is it a wine barrel? Is it a toasted barrel? Is it a bourbon barrel? And then you can break it down a little further. Even bourbon barrels have different levels of char yeah. in there. And that char is going to affect the amount of, of oak and tannin pickup you have. So with the wild turkey barrels, they have a super deep alligator char. And that allows there to be more movement in the wood, but that wood's already been charred. So you're not pulling out some of the tannins mm-hmm. and some of the oakiness you might in a, uh, say like a wine barrel or right. uh, just a toasted barrel. Mm-hmm. And the wild turkey has been in there for quite a while too. So it's already pulled out a lot. And a lot of what this beer pulls out is mostly just the stuff out of that char that was the wild turkey. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. brings a lot of the flavor with it. And about somewhere in between nine months and a year, you do start to get into the wood Mm. and start to pull out some more tannins. So I think you got to be careful. Um, And I like your idea of blending back. Um, But it also, it depends on the kind of barrel I think you're using. Right. I think you you get some oxidation character too, that kind of rounds out and mellows the flavors of this. Mm -hmm. Because so many barrel aged beers that you try, um, they may be short-term, whatever, newer, newer barrels, but there, there's always an alcoholic bite at the end of them. And this doesn't have that. It, it's, uh, just a very mellow, uh, drink all the way through. Um, and I could, I could picture this being an 8% beer if I hadn't read the can, <laughs> you know, I mean, because it, it doesn't have that higher alcohol. Well, and, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. The reason is because it's a great brewery and they know how to ferment things and make it not taste like alcohol. This, this, yeah. this is one of the things I think is most important to brewing high alcohol beers, just knowing how to brew something and control the t- types of alcohol that you're making. So it just, I bet you, you know, just right out of the fermenter, you know, a year ago, it probably tasted smooth. You're only going to smooth out a little bit in the bur- in the barrel aging, and you will get. And I would not say. See, I don't detect really any oxidation from this. I think there are some. There is some rounding, but I would not say. You know, I detect anything. Prune or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, right. It's. It, I think it, it tastes very fresh. Uh, you know, and very bright in a lot of aspects of the beer. There's like the residual sweetness. I get, you know, a fair amount of oak and a bit oak tannin, like, like you're saying. But mm-hmm. one of the things I like about adding back is if you're going to do this annually and, you know, aging for a year, you can add back, you brew, you brew your next one and then it's fresh, ready to go and use that for blending into the previous one. We, what we did was save beer for a year and, get, oh. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then, and then mash them up. Um, you know, cold stored, 
you'd be shocked at how, how, how well they do. Uh, so we would do that. But the, the thing I like better is, you know, you use the year to, uh, you know, age the beer and then you brew your fresh batch. You, yeah. you take some of that off to blend back into your, 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 uh, your aged beer. And then, uh, and it, it seems it, it, it's weird, I know, but it seems a little more traditional to me to do that, to, to, you know, where there was a lot of blending going on back in the day. They had good beer, they had crappy beer, and they're like, all right, we'll blend a little bit of that together. <laughs> Let's sell this stuff. And we don't do it today, but, well, I mean, you and I don't do this today, but, you know, there's, you know, um, it's not that you're trying to, we're clearly trying to make the best beer possible. And sometimes that is, you know, blending in a little, little extra, you know, fresh beer. I think, I think it's delicious. And again, like John's saying, the 15.5 is completely hidden. It's, yeah. it's in there. It's a I damn guess. good thing we're broadcasting from home. <laughs> Jamil, you make, you make a good point that there, there used to be a lot more blending. Right. And I think the secret to, to barrel-aged beers, particularly the, the sour ones, even more so than the mm -hmm. non-sour ones, is blending. And yeah. we go through all the barrels and taste them and decide which ones are going to make it into the blend and which ones aren't. Exactly. Yeah. There are there are barrels, like you say, some of the barrels are it like, oh my God, this, this is superb. And the one next to it is like, and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And the question is, do you just serve the superb one and have, you right. know, right. two barrels worth? Or do you blend them to come up with a beer that is really good, but it wasn't as good as the superb one? And it certainly wasn't, didn't have the characteristics of the bad one because, or the mediocre one, because it was right. blended off. And I think blending, particularly with barrel-aged beers, is it's, it's part of the art of how to get to the end product. Well, and, uh, you know, that's one thing I've ranted about in the past is taste all, all your barrels. Mm -hmm. And then the ones that don't taste good, don't think you can just blend those in. And it's like, oh, this will counter that. No, you just get rid of those. And all the ones that taste great, now you're, you're into your blending. Because if you're blending only things that taste great, the result will be at least something that tastes great. Tastes great. Yeah. So yeah, if they're truly bad, yeah, truly bad ones should get tossed. And it's it's so expensive, yeah, you know, because you, you the the barrel cost, the the storage cost, the labor cost, the racking, everything else, and then you got evaporation, you got that cost too. It's like somebody magically got rid of you know fifteen percent of your beer. It's like thanks, you know. And then out of those, it's like, well, these three barrels out of these, you know, 40 or 30 are no good. There's 10% out the crapper too. Um, you know, it, it, there's a reason why these beers cost a lot. Um, I will say that this beer. Um, huge Acker, Arker. Huge Arker. Ar Ar um, What's an Arker? It's well, hold on. Let's not get into that first. I, I think you, you should be wax dip in the top because these, these are freaking fantastic. <laughs> well, we that's, wax that's dip a, one of those cans and it makes them really hard to open. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> makes it pretty much in, in, down in pretty much impossible. <laughs> but and cans are hermetically sealed, so they're they're good to store for a long, long time. Um, eventually, it'll eat through the lining. That's not good, but you know, if you if you get a chance, get out and get some of this beer. Get some of the the winter solstice. Get the you know the the black rice. All of these three are just fantastic. Since really you've been are, back, Val, I I say you know no disrespect to the the rest of the folks at at Anderson Valley, but it, <laughs> before you came back, I was not pleased with Anderson Valley. Since you came back, which has been some years now, the, the beers a huge turnaround and really has put Anderson Valley back on the map as one of, I think the greatest breweries in the world, really just the quality level is so high across a wide span of different beers. I mean, you're really in there. If you ask me. Thank you very much for those very kind words. Um, I guess I just threatened people better than the last boss, (laughs) (laughs) but I think we've talked about this before. Matt Brenlinson at mm-hmm. Firestone, he manages to, you know, make good beer. And he's not like, like, like I am. He's not down there brewing the beers every day, but he's overseeing the operations. And somehow he managed to make great beer over and over again and win more medals than anybody. And I finally have come up with the idea that he's, he's grinding up puppies and unicorns and putting them <laughs> in the beer. Because he probably is. I don't know. Have you seen that guy, his dark side? I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, I don't think well, he has a dark side. He's just Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> nicest guy. And he makes great beer. Nice you. you are nicer than Jesus. So let's 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 just go with that. Um I uh, now uh, I'm a I respect a uh, Firestone Walker, but uh I if I had to choose one brewery over the other, I'd choose Anderson Valley. Thank you. I think you, you, I feel just the same to see your product and uh, and your range of product um, for me, it's 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 better. And you know, I'm just I'm just being critical. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't get as many uh, the diversity of Anderson Valley products here in LA that you do up. Oh, up see, north. that might be part of the difference. Is I'm closer to Anderson Valley. I can get all these great beers. I can get them on yeah. draft a lot of times. Hmm. Whereas Firestone, I get like, there's 805 up here and they've abandoned all the other beers. You can't get anything but 805. It's the only oh, Firestone really? you can oh. get. Oh, yeah. yeah. We can get Double Barrel. We can get Union Jack, um, Special Jack. Um, yeah, we can get a few of those down here. but and, and well, it, yeah. that's, that's a sad problem that I think a lot of breweries face. Uh, they make really great beers. and their distributors out, you know, each distributor is different. Some of them are just like, no, we don't want to take that. Mm-hmm. And it may be the brewers yeah. or the consumer's favorite beer, but if a distributor doesn't want to bring it in, you know, and they have all of LA or all of San Francisco or all of you know, Chicago, they don't want to bring it in. Then your consumers are never going to see what happens to be your favorite beer. Yeah. So, it's sad. I think a lot of breweries uh, make really great beer and they just have trouble getting them to market. Um, and I think Jamil's point of 805, it's not Firestone Walker's favorite beer, uh, maybe their bank account's favorite beer, but it, you know, it's a good beer. I'm not dissing on it, but it's right. not the one that people, it's not 
you know, they don't stand in line for. And yet it's the most widely distributed. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to drink it, but it's selling. Yeah, it is a uh, high moving flagship kind of beer. Um, but yet not the most interesting for yeah. beer brewers like us. You know, well, <laughs> you say there's there's there is there is God's gift to American light lagers being brewed all around us. Yeah. Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, or you know, or the the bigger ones, Bud Miller Coors. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go up there, you know, um Beachwood but Light. I don't I don't I don't drink those. Uh, they're they're the best the best in the world brewed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I, you know, I'm I'm going. I, if I, I I tell you, your black rice is fantastic, absolutely Thank fantastic. You. I would drink a ton of that. I I hope people do buy some of it so that we can continue making it. Right, that's the hardest part. Know, Every brewery, you know, you got 20 beers that you make and the bottom three or four every year get cut to make new beers. You know, the the thing is, you know, you put that it's 3.8% on the can. God bless you. Because there's the, you know, the the 5.3, which, you know, some people call the the Budweiser rule, which is, you know, for beers below 5.3 in California, you don't have to put the ABV on the on the label. So you find things like 805 and, you know, a number of other beers that don't put the ABV on the label because it's lower, you know, it's like four or something or whatever. And consumers don't want that. So it's, it doesn't have anything on the label. Yeah. For some, they feel they're not getting their money's worth. Right. Always put it on the label. It's like, you know, it's stupid that people make their choices that way based off of, you know, some ABV number. Cause I'll tell you that black rice has so much flavor, so much, you know, mouthfeel, all that. I, I would drink that all the time. Um, but you know, people would be like, well, no, no, I'm not paying for that. It's like, well, it's expensive because of, you know, I don't know if it's expensive or not. I got, I got two cans for free. Um, you know, but, it's expensive because the black rice, you know, the hops, all the other stuff that goes into it, all the labor and the, you know, the time and the, and the equipment, all that went into it is the same. The only difference is the base malt. Base malt mm-hmm. is cheap. It's the cheapest thing in brewing is base malt. ABV is cheap. You know, don't base your, your, you know, your, your price consideration, your, in your buying based off of ABV because yeah. that is not what, what it costs. All right. Let's take one more short break, and uh, when we come back, we'll wrap up uh, talking about winter warmers right after this. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. I want to tell you about my good friends at uh, Brew Chatter up in Reno or Sparks. Uh, Brewchatter.com. Sparks is kind of you know uh, right next to Reno. It's yeah. it's like a pimple on Reno. You know, it's a it's like a herpes sore on, on Reno. <laughs> Let's just say it's the left side of Reno. Just thinking of freckle. It's the right on side. Reno. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, 
good folks. They've been sponsoring us for, for a bit now and uh, they've got a ton of stuff. If you want to make a great winter warmer, I guarantee you that uh, Josh and RJ can tell you how to make that, uh, that beer and uh, provide you all the, the ingredients and equipment for it. Uh, John and I are going to be up there uh, uh, January 15th, Saturday. That's right. We're going to have a, a live show from Brew Chatter. Uh, it's going to be something. I, I, you know, I don't know. I think we will record something. I think we will say something. I think we will yep. drink a lot of something. Yep. But I think I, uh, I have some local homebrews there. Yes. Uh, all you homebrewers should show up, bring your beers. Uh, John and I may do a, a, a little, uh, a little tasting there and, uh, and praise you or, uh, denigrate you on, uh, on live in front of everybody. And who knows? It'll be fun. Take your chances. Fun. That we can guarantee it'll be fun. Yes. Uh, fun. the, the folks at Brew Chatter, they are absolutely wonderful. Uh, you know, good folks that really are just. Their heart is in, uh, you know, taking care of their customers. So uh, really, uh, if you get a chance, uh, they're, they're good folks. Check them out. Uh, Brewchatter.com. All right. So we're talking winter warmers. We've, um, you know, uh, talked about, you know, lighter beers. We've talked about spiced beers. We've talked about, um, uh, you know, some Belgians. Now we're into, you know, the barrel-aged Imperial Stouts. Um Speaking of Belgians, I just want to mention Peter. Yes. Peter. Hmm? Mention. Peter. Bukart? Yeah, Bu- Bukart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Peter's a great brewer. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Are you watching the comments, John? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen anything new. Oh, yeah. I guess I got to refresh <laughs> this. How do you refresh this? Darn where they, oh, my God. Where is Bevo? <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, one of the other things I like is, uh, you know, some of the other German uh, beers, uh, you know, the box, Weizenbach, I think, you know, for me, that's a fall beer. I've always associated with Halloween because I drank it when I was taking my kids around. <laughs> but uh, I think that's in there. I think, uh, you know, Icebach, we actually... Oh. You know, you can't legally brew Icebach in the U.S. under a brewer's license. But, hmm. right? Oh, yeah. So a lot of people have been doing it. It's illegal. But I I think I'm the first person to ever legally brew an Icebach because they did it under the distilling license. I was able to get the TTB to agree with me that the process of freezing was distillation distillation by definition um, is the concentration of alcohol by removing water. That is distillation. It says it. nothing about heat or cold. I said, I am cold distilling this. I'm distilling. So I'm willing to pay distillery taxes on my ice block, but uh, there uh, once a year, they asked me to announce a category. You guys probably asked to, uh, on the uh, NHC awards thing. And um, previous years, I've, I've, I told people, I'm like, hey, we'll brew your beer at Heretic. Come on down. We'll do a pro-am with you. And then uh, this year, I, so I do that every year. And this year it was Icebock. I was like, oh, man, we can't brew an Icebock. <laughs> so um, 
no, I submitted it for distilled. They rejected it and told me it had to be under malt beverage. I submitted it to malt beverage. They said, no, you can't do that. I said, right. That's why I just, I sent it in as distilled uh, spirits. A little discussion with them. And they're like, okay, you know, reactivate your distilled spirits one and we'll, we'll approve it. Wow. Good to go. That's awesome. Now I'm going to have to pay the taxes on spirits for a beer, but <laughs> I, whatever. I, I'm hey, just so thrilled. It'll be worth to it. Do it. So that same weekend I saw you in Sacramento, we went to some grocery store and there were not one, not two, not even three, but four different beers. There were over $30, a four pack. So, Oh my God. If you, if those guys can get, $30 a four pack. Certainly your ice box can get at least $30 a four pack. So I, you should be able to sell it for that. I think we do it for a, a dollar a pint and, and just what? who cares? Wow. <laughs> I, uh, you know, a big part of why we do this is, you know, because we love the, the knowledge and the, and the struggle of making something great. True. You know, it's, so why why did uh who cut off his ear? Van Gogh? Picasso. <laughs> Van Gogh. Picasso. Right. Van, Van Gogh. Gogh, there we go. Cut off his Van ear. Gogh. It's because to give it to a hooker. Of, well, all right. I mean, who wouldn't? Uh, you know, he was sick of uh, you know, having to sell, you know, stuff and you know, the commercial brewing is just such a struggle. Um, oh, and I guess I can say now, uh, my wife, Liz and I, we've sold all our interest in, uh, heretic. So we're, we're still working there, but, uh, we are, we are, uh, no longer financially responsible for a payroll of 50 people and a million dollars in hop contracts and all that, and that stuff. So congratulations! Um, <laughs> I'm getting old. I'm getting weak. You know, y'all saw it coming. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, 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 th- I just to address that a little bit i think there is this prejudice and bigotry about you know people selling out that needs oh to, yeah, that yeah. needs to go away absolutely um yeah the, you know there are numerous cases of people that have built a brewery built a brand and then hey it's time to retire do I just go out of business or do I sell and make myself a nice nest egg for the next 10, 20 years? And uh, I I don't blame people a bit for that. No. Yeah. We've, we've gotten nothing but positive comments on this and, you know, part of it, I would have kept going, but I I got too many health issues now. So uh, I need, you know, the, the, the problem is, if, if I was to die and leave, you know, Liz and the kids with the brewery, the, the, the problem is um, I don't know what they would do. And I don't know, you know, how well, you know, everything would, would treat them. And so yeah, right now, while I still am here, it is, it is better to, to do it now and to get, get everything, you know, you know, everything kind of sorted now before. Right. Right. And um no, we didn't, we didn't make, you know, money 
<laughs> deal, but that's not why we opened a brewery in the first place. I mean, you always kind of dream and say, oh, hey, we'll get a billion dollar offer. Nah, that ain't happening anymore. That, that, that's all kind of yeah. done and dusted. Nobody's nobody's doing that anymore. They've, they've learned the lessons. But, you know, I sold a lot of uh, my, you know, tech stocks that I earned, you know, working in the, in the software industry to, in order to fund this thing. And I, I you know, I would have done better just hold on to those stocks. <laughs> But, you know, so it's been fun. So I got less out of it, you know, doing this. But on the other hand, I met some of the most wonderful people in the world and worked with some of the most wonderful folks in the world, you know, um, you know, uh, Chris and Warren and Ben and, and John and Joe uh, and, uh, uh, you know, um, and another John and Andrew and, you know, Will, uh, you know, I've, I've worked with just some of those beautiful people, so hardworking and so, so creative, so funny, so smart. That's, that's what craft beer is. And I think, you know, it's, it's kind of getting lost with, uh, well, here's how we could brew 20% seltzer. Um, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, it's like art. True craft beer is, is truly an art and it, and it's, so much fun and the and the, the weird people you meet doing your art. Oh man, that's the best. There yeah, is there yeah. is no other way to explain that, you know. And like a really funky guy like Fal, I never would have met him if it wasn't for there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's great that I think it's great that you sold your business because the brewery is going to continue on and you are going to be able to retire, but you're going to mentor them through so they continue to have your vision of making great beers. And, you know, I think that's a win for everybody. The consumers end up with great beer continuing on. Your brewery continues. It's a great and point. You get to retire. And at some point, young people may not realize this, but at some point we all get to retire right. one way or the other. Yeah. Above or I, below the ground. I feel, I feel sad about not continuing to, you know, really drive everything and being, you know, um, I would, I would do it for the end of time. I will, I will help, you know, breweries and, you know, if you got a brewery and you're in trouble and you need help, <laughs> call on me, but just be prepared for me to tell you, you know, how much you suck and you need to change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that I know anything, but you know, all right. So, <clears throat> Let's wrap up. What what uh, wonderful tips of advice do you have on this beer? I, I think a big part of why the uh, the huge uh, Arker uh, works is because of the base beer. I was going to say it's because I'm sitting down. <laughs> it's a great fifteen and a half percent beer. It really is. That's that's this the is problem. Wonderful. Is <laughs> You could, you could, you know, you can put stuff in a, you know, a, a, a great uh, wild turkey barrel. But I think if the initial beer isn't great, it's not going to turn out great. Um, and even, even then, like we talked, uh, let's say you take the best beer in the world, put in the best barrels in the world. Some of those barrels don't work out. 
But yep. the question is, you know, what what was it, Fal, that made you come up with this uh, recipe to, to to go into those barrels? I mean, is there what are the what are the the tips and and tricks you can provide to people that are doing this sort of thing? There's a bunch that goes into making any beer, obviously. And um, I think you got to look at look at what your end, you want your end product to be. So this beer without the barrel, in my opinion, isn't all that tasty. I mean, it, it's a good beer. It's well made, but it doesn't have the balance it should. And mm-hmm. we knew that because we knew it was going to spend a year in a barrel. So we could make it a little more aggressive. Uh, didn't have to have the same kind of balance. In fact, we didn't want it to have the same kind of balance because in the end, that beer, if we'd made it super balanced, would have come out unbalanced at the other side. So yeah. this beer, although well-made and you can drink it, definitely you could sit and have a pint of this beer prior to the going in the barrel. It's a little bit kind of elbows and knees and mm-hmm. it needs that time. Mm-hmm. And I think when you brew a bigger beer, you look down the road and say, where is this beer going to be? when I want it served. Um, yeah. When we build, when we brew a Pilsner, I don't judge my Pilsner a month in. I don't even judge it two months in. Um, I, you know, I begin to think about how it's going to be after 60 days and where, where, you know, what we might do, how long we might want to age it, but it, it just doesn't, it's not ready yet. I think every beer has an arc and you got to find where you want that, that beer to end up and brew to that. So that that's part of it. So uh, you mentioned the elbows and knees, and I'm all, all with you. So I imagine that certain parts of the beer were perfect. I mean, maybe fermentation was perfect. Maybe there's a little bit too much roast, a little bit yeah. too much sugar or something. Maybe those are the elbows and knees you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, what, what parts get, what parts should we accentuate in a beer that's going to be barrel aged uh, that are going to become a little muted when it's out of the barrel? Well, certainly alcohol. So Uh this, this beer, when you first have it, it's hot and you know it, and you guys are talking about how you don't, you know, taste the alcohol. Mm -hmm. Well, the initial beer, you certainly do because a it's Uh young. We put Mm -hmm. it into the barrel when it's, you know, three weeks old and that beer even if one going to a barrel should be six or eight weeks old before you start tasting it. So when we tasted going into the barrel, it's hot elbows, you know, and he said, it's like, there's great things about being a teenager, but you don't always want to be a teenager. There's a lot of difficult things about it. So it's kind of like that. You put the teenager in the barrel, not at home. Don't do this at home. Don't put your teenager in a barrel, but you put, you know, that young beer in the barrel. And some of those things mellow out just as your teenagers are going to mellow out in their twenties and thirties. So. Hey, good uh, John. Wait, wait till their thirties. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you got kids, yeah. Wait till their thirties. Don't, don't judge them yet. My parents uh, should never have judged me until I was in my sixties. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think, you know, the alcohol is one that you're going to find that's going to mellow out. And like you said, the roast is going to mellow out uh, a lot. And the barrel is going to, you know, the charcoal in the barrel, mm-hmm. people, you know, you use charcoal to clean things up, charcoal yeah. filter, your water, right. You right, right. charcoal filter. So 
part of the char on these barrels is going to suck out some of the stuff that you don't want in there. Mm -hmm. um, so you're going to lose some stuff, some of it good, most of it bad. But you can put a bigger, a more angry, you know, beer into the barrel and then taste it along the way. Some of our beers are three months old in the barrel. Uh, the bourbon barrel stout that we make only three months because we don't want it to be six months. And it's not a big enough beer to stand up to six months, I don't think. Uh, we make a salted caramel porter that's nine months. Six months isn't quite enough. Twelve months is too many. Like you said, that beer doesn't stand up to the tannins it starts to pull out of the wood. Mm -hmm. okay. So each beer is going to be a little different. Oh, yeah. you, know, you, you open up a can of worms, if, in wrong metaphor, um, in terms <laughs> of the length of time in the barrel and different styles of beer. Um, that could be an, an entire show in itself. Absolutely. Um, and one we should probably have. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. John, I think you're feeling, you're feeling these beers now. Oh, I really am. <laughs> <laughs> At 15.5. Uh, who's not? Yeah. It's delicious though. It really I would is. normally not drink a, 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 a 12 ounce can of a 15 and a half percent beer, but it's, it's really well done. Every one of these beers has been fantastic. The the, the really black rice, uh, fantastic. Three point eight percent. Jesus Christ! I drank a case of that. Probably you know. Yeah. Uh, that that I need to find. Uh, the uh, the winter solstice. Just Ooh, the hands down, one of my balance. favorites of all time. Well, that that was really good too. And I don't tend yeah. to drink that many spice beers. But when they're that well done, I do. I drank all that. And now I'm on yeah. the uh, huge Arker, which is 15.5%, which yeah. I shouldn't really drink the whole thing. But, uh, you know, it's in the glass already. So come on. This grin is chemically induced. Beer's got to go nice. somewhere. Might as well go down, you know. Go down swinging. Yeah. 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 Or go down as a swinger. I don't, I'm not sure. I heard it once, uh, hanging out with the with the whites. So you know, right, right. Uh, you know, I'm just falling along. Uh, anything, anything else to add there, Fal? About uh, winter beers. Um, what did we not cover? What you know? This has been a very loose thing here. Yeah. Old ale. Or what's next? Old ale? Ooh, old ale. Gale's old ale. Love nice that beer. Now. But you can have that all year long. It's a thing. Not at my house. I can't find it here in Boonville. Yeah. Uh, uh, we talked about uh, uh, doing a, uh, a live from your Boonville taproom. Absolutely. Anytime you guys want to come up, come on up. I'm buying the beer. And we're going <laughs> to. Oh, we'll yeah, you are. Podcast. This is, this is going <laughs> to bankrupt you. <laughs> maybe march march i could swing that march would be good oh march you know, sounds good have did, did i tell you guys we're doing this historic beer style you know brewing thing yeah. so oh. we're doing we're in eight different beers and we've historic already done or classic historic. are you brewing classic styles that's what i want to know Classic. <laughs> so let, let me i'll tell you we'll just go through these quick so uh, the first one, we, we bought, brewed a Dutch kite beer. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, right. Right. but um, it's 70% oats or something like that, 60, 70% oats, 
then 20 or 30% wheat and the rest is barley and ah. extended boil, like two and a half hour boil. So we brewed that already. It's on draft. We brewed a raw Berliner Weiss, which is being co-fermented in wood. So no boil, just the mash runoff into the barrel and then co-fermented with lacto, brett and brewer's yeast in wood. That should be ready. Well, the way it's tasting now, it might be ready in June. <laughs> we brewed this stone beer yesterday. That was our third one. Uh, hopefully in February, we'll be brewing a, uh, a Grodzki, the Polish smoked wheat beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm excited about that one. Uh, yeah. Kind of my jam, yeah. low alcohol smoked beer. And then in March, we're going to brew the sati with the hot rocks. Maybe you guys should right. come up for that. Oh. And then do a live broadcast. I like, me, I like me some hot rocks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a plan. I think we should do it. Yeah. What, when was the last time you got to put hot rocks into mash? Yeah, like two years ago, a couple of years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. I've never done yeah. that. So I'm pretty excited. Libertine. It was pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was the only way to heat stuff up. <laughs> the man didn't have a way to heat anything other than hot rocks. Well, sadly, we don't have a wood mash ton because that would be really cool to have a wood mash ton to put the hot rocks in. But I think you could build one between now and March. What is the matter? Yeah, you know, we're John and I aren't special. I you're not going to build the, the the wood mash ton between now and March. I'm just saying. Uh, I'll work on it. Oh yeah, <laughs> would that be the week of the fourteenth? Perhaps. I promise. Uh, the fourteenth. No, that way your wives and girlfriends would be angry with you. Can't do it on February 14th. Oh, wait, March. Oh, March. 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 When are we there? I don't know. I, I will check March and let you guys know. Okay. Wow. Thank you. I'm Thank interested. you, brother. Thank, thanks for spending the time. I know you're busy. You, you actually have work to do compared to John and I, which, you know, we yeah. don't have I'm shit to do. But Just finishing up Christmas presents, yeah wrapping and stuff you're in italy or where are you at me yes oh this is the um sistine chapel no no it's in spain <laughs> it's Silicon? the 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 uh bull plaza, plaza de España. plaza de España in seville nice well, there you go or naboo as the case may be all right boo there you go uh naboo. yeah star wars <laughs> Thank you, Fal, for, for joining us. You are thank you just for having me. The sweetest person in the world. Uh, we love you. And thanks for sending the beers. Uh, although you didn't send them and you didn't even know we were gonna do this. Um they're every single one of them is excellent. Yeah, thank you. Really. No. Anderson Valley's really hitting on all cylinders at this point and definitely it's delicious. So you um, say that until you try our raw Berliner Weiss, and then you may change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that might be that might be a problem. I, it, you know. it could be brilliant. I don't know yet. We'll see. We'll see. Could be March. I, March. I still think I, I still think we do collab. Yeah, maybe. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We come up in March. It is a John Palmer, Jamel Zanishev, Fal Allen, Anderson Valley collab. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Done. We we can't. We'll put the sati off to another day. We'll do a collab in March. Okay. 
I'm looking know, forward to we'll that. We'll do it the week after the saute or whatever. Yeah. 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 Or now before. we can push the saute. All you got to do is drop hot rocks in the mash. You don't even have to boil the damn thing. It's going to take like 15 minutes to do the whole thing. I don't know if you've seen me do a collab, but generally it's me not doing anything but drinking. <laughs> yeah, I'm just Wait saying. That's, that, that's how it works. That's how I do the collab. Who's going to brew? You're supposed to have employees and make, make it happen. And we point and they, you know, we take pictures. That, like we actually did something. We throw in some hops, take a picture. Yeah. All right. Drink, well, eat, all that stuff. We're on the same page on how to do it. So we <laughs> then March is it. I'm, I'm going to put this damn thing in my calendar right now. Please do. I, I think we do this. And I think, you know, if people want to show up in, in Boonville. Uh, you're welcome to join us. You're uh, welcome to join us. Come, come out and, and join us for this, this collab party at Anderson Valley in March. Tom's just leaving. He's like, I'm out of here. He's like, he flew. Uh, Did you see that? One thing works good for you guys. Oh, wait, maybe we should just take this offline or at this point. <laughs> I think I think uh, people will be yeah yeah I I don't have my calendar up um, yeah sometime in March we can announce it on social media I think people should show up if you've never been out there to uh, Anderson Valley you should it is a special you know the whole language thing and all this you don't believe it but it's true it is an isolated valley in California it is. It's a little diff- a little difficult to get there, but check it out. Great stuff. The people are amazing. The entire area is is amazing. Y- y- you want to go? I'm um, I'm looking forward to it. March, March. We'll do this in March. So there you go. Thank you, brother. I think uh, you know this was as as good. <laughs> hey. <laughs> A, a, a Christmas show as we could have done. And, you know, all because of you. Well, happy holidays to everybody out there. Happy holidays. And Normally, I don't you. drink all the beers that are sent to me, but these three, I drank all of them. Yeah, me too. I'm going to have another black rice because that's a reasonable beer to have now. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. All right. Take Thanks care, a lot. Everybody. Cheers. Until then, brew strong, everyone. Brew strong. Or brew ho, ho, ho.